Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Not a ton to talk about because we don't have a lot of news going on. Tom Herman still searching for coordinators. We'll see how that plays out. But we do know a bold destination and a bold opponent for the Texas Longhorns. It's going to be the Alamo Bowl on New Year's Eve, and Utah is the opponent, the 11-2 and Utes. Matt, as soon as that matchup came out, I was like, Utes. this is like Matt Butler paradise where <laughs> you get to use that drop yes, pretty much Utes. for – <laughs> the next few weeks. Yes, yeah. we will. Be, and they actually have a two-headed Ute backfield that's pretty damn good. But yeah, yeah no, Utah, that, when that news came out, it was pretty interesting. It went from being like, ah, I don't care about the bowl game. Like, ah, oh, this is something pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, it's football. You get your, your, football, there you go, your, football. your football pants get stirred up a little bit, and you start thinking about uh, bowl matchups. So, I know, look, I know I'll be watching, like, the New Mexico Bowl and, any kind of bowl games. Yeah, I watch. On. I watch random bowls. Yeah. I watch football. I'll just football. sit down and yeah, I'll just sit down and if watch football. I love it because it helps me almost with like the NFL prep because I start to see like players. I'm like, and that's I, how I found out about Michael Gallup. I was watching the New Mexico Bowl. Yeah. I was like, man, that yeah. Colorado State kid is really and then you good. You start doing pro, like, man, I gotta go see about this this guy and how good he is. And then you go back to research, like, damn, that's a good player. Yeah, you, you know, like yeah. So it helps me kind of dive into the NFL research a little bit. So we'll talk about Utah. We'll talk about the Alamo Bowl, uh, all that stuff, and and obviously we'll look at the big picture because that's what we're doing. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing well yourself. Wonderful. And lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, I will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they give you that black card. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. Rod, you should make a DBU black card, like for guys that have the All-American <laughs> honors or College Football Hall of Fame. It should be like a tiered system. So I like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll get into like an exclusive VIP so like, club. So like Jerry Gray and Johnny Johnson, they should have like their card should be the same and it should be like whatever you decide the top of the pyramid is. Yeah. That the problem is I won't even be like in the – I won't even get to be in the VIP section because it would be so crowded. I'll be like in the, the – mm-hmm. I keep dropping. You know what I mean? Because the DBs keep getting – You're an All-American though, right? That's true, mm-hmm. but still there's more You're and more – Well, we haven't had as many lately, I will say that. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> oh, Quandre, yeah. man, that dude's been blowing up in the NFL. Justine, did you well, watch – any a quandary this I, week? Yeah, but Quandre's always been. We've always said Quandre was going to be a, true, a perfect true. like NFL. It's fit. just good seeing it's, him to get the fruits of his labor. Like he's making big. Well, he's time in a plays. system more compatible with him. Yeah. That's the difference. And, I, and not that he wasn't. Be, he was being misused with Detroit, but the NFL is all about compatibility, and he's better in that. Pete Carroll system than he was in that Matt oh, yeah. Patricia he's system. A, Mini Earl is literally yeah. what Pete Carroll's calling. And let, him. let's be honest, Rod. I know they gave you paychecks for a few years. 
Right. The Detroit Lions are a bad organization. They are a bad organization. You gave away that guy for a fifth round pick. I mean, at least you could have got a third round for, pick for him. I mean, I think everybody in NFL in the NFL was shocked that they only gave up a fifth round pick for him. Hell, if that was the case, the Texans, the Cowboys, everybody should. have I'm tried saying, to why get didn't him. the Cowboys anybody, do it? If you, if you get like, Quandre well, Dix for a five, yeah, every, I think every NFL team out there is like, dude, I would have given up a the, fifth for Quandre. The line would have formed to the left, <laughs> man. Well, and that's where the like you know like the nerdy side of the NFL. You see Patricia wanting to try to be like. Like a Belichick where he's like, well, I can turn my sixth rounder into the fifth rounder three years later. He's like, but you don't understand the value of what you had and you could have got more than that. You could have got way more than that. Yes. Anyway, sorry. I don't mean to get off on a tangent there. Yeah, that pick six from Quandre this week, he's been making big plays. No, he's balling. He's balling. Yeah. um, So, real quick, I do want to talk about our schedule coming up. Next week will be a normal show. You guys will get it at normal time. Then we run into kind of holiday travel and holiday schedules. So, Rod is getting out of town on the 21st of December. Yeah, I'll be out of of town from the 21st to the 28th. I'm coming back. Which would bump up too Mm -hmm. close to the game. So, basically, Mm -hmm. we're going to try to record it sometime before Christmas. We'll get you guys a hard kind of release date with that. But we'll basically blow it out and have a huge show sometime late in that week leading up to uh, to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. The Alamo Bowl and everything. Yeah, we'll just go. We Hopefully, might, we'll have we lots might of ha- updates. We might have coordinators to talk yeah, about. We don't then. know exactly what's We'll have on. National Signing Day will be. The, 70, right. the 72 oh, hour man. window will be closing. Oh, I forget about, so. about National Moving Signing on Day. Up. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So maybe we could talk about how. It skips. Yeah, I forget you know, all about it. Yeah, that's big. That's maybe, huge. Maybe fitting B. John Robinson into this thing next does year. Does the uh, coordinator, can I just ask you real quick? And I know we don't talk a lot of recruiting, just your opinion. The coordinator search right now being what it is, which is kind of no updates, kind of radio silence for the most part, good or bad leading up to early signing day. I think it depends on what Tom Herman's telling those guys. The guys that are on yeah. the fence, like most of the guys aren't on the fence. I mean, I'm, I'm expecting pretty much the entire class to be signed, sealed, and delivered. Yeah. Uh, I think for the guys, and this goes back to any time I've heard of recruits that are still on the table when a coordinator search yeah, is yeah, going there's on. Be as long as you can give those guys an idea of your plan, more often than not, they're going to, yeah. yeah. You, they've invested enough time with you as the head coach to feel like, okay, I trust you. As long as you're telling me you have a plan and you're carrying out that plan and the plan is going as you yeah. expect said plan to go, yeah, the, then I think they're going to be. 17, fine. 18 year olds, and I was like, you gotta hire this guy. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm leaving. Yeah. yeah like, those are the stuff the fans like Quentin, overweigh. Yeah, yeah. Quentin Johnston's not sitting down with Tom Herman <laughs> saying, "Look, I researched these OCs yeah, right. and I think you need to hire this guy right yeah, here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I totally agree. Yeah. So no, I, I think I think for the most part they'll be fine. I think where it's interesting though, I mean, anytime you're dealing with guys like Alfred Collins, who's going to make his decision. Uh, at the All-American Bowl in early January, then I think mm-hmm. it's like, hey, you know, not only who's the D.C. going to be, but he's a guy that's not committed. So uh, is Oscar Giles the guy that's recruited him? Is Oscar Giles going to be around? If not, you know, you know, like Oklahoma's got stability right mm-hmm. now. Baylor's got stability it's right now. Great question. So, like, if, if you're Tom Herman, like, how it's great. What are you telling these young kids and what are you telling these parents who are keeping up with this story? Mm-hmm. That's you where be a great salesman. Yeah, you that's where it impacts great. you. That's where it impacts you is the guys yeah. that the, your targets yeah. that are still out there. That they they've you know that's where the the playing field yeah. gets uneven. You almost have to flip it where you know I was saying they were saying political debates. Uh, if you're debating and you know they broach on a subject that you are not you know versed in, you don't have expertise. You just pivot to something you know. Hmm. So I imagine in the sales, you pivot to what you know about Texas football now. Tom Herman's like, I am here. All right. right, you ain't got to worry. I will be here. Uh, the University of Texas is still in Austin. All right, mm-hmm. Austin's still a great city. And it's still just have, like in politics, yeah, you, you have just the sell. opposition, still negative building, recruiting. Yeah, they're still building on the south end zone. It's still going to be a great stadium. Facilities are still awesome. Meet CDC, he's awesome. Matthew McConaughey's still going to root for Texas. You sell the things you know. Right. And then the stuff you don't know, you basically pivot away from that. You just change the subject immediately. Because that's what your opposing yeah. teams or your yeah, that's opposition what in the politics. When they are negatively recruiting Rec- against you, that's what they're that's selling. That's exactly yeah. what other politicians yeah. do. Yeah, I mean, you can't – because neg- negative recruiting to an extent can turn kids off. Like if Tom Herman goes mm-hmm. in the living room and says, well, you know, Matt Rule's interviewed for NFL jobs the last two years. You don't even know if he's going to yeah. be there. That, that'll that turn a kid yeah, off. Why are you talking quick. about Matt Rule? I'm yeah. here. You're in, you in my living room. Exactly. Why are you worried about what Matt Rule's doing? Exactly. You're here. I totally agree with you. Man. And I, I've had it work. You know, I've heard it work against uh, four Texas that way. Like a coach will go in and yeah. negatively recruit Texas. Like why have we talked about Texas the entire time? You haven't told me about your program. Come on yeah. now. Yeah, I totally agree. Kind of thing, so. It just depends, but we'll see. You know that that seventy-two hour window in December has really changed the entire recruiting cycle because then you can 
essentially after that you've got to reset your entire board and see okay who hasn't signed who's still left what needs do we what have you need, yeah. and, and you know chad and kevin asked me about it and i gave kind of a long-winded answer but it's true like tom herman can't even tell you what, what it's going to look like after that no. 72 hour window because when you reset your board you might say well you know we were only planning on taking one corner but man, there's these three corners that we really like and they're all still out there so maybe we take one less i don't know one less offensive lineman or one mm-hmm. less wide receiver whatever it is yeah. and, and we you take look at your team how it's developed yeah, it's like the exactly. nfl draft essentially like you can have a plan but that plan is yeah, going to blow up. You it's, know it's going to blow you're, up. So you're basically, basically when you enter that to an extent, because you'll still have some big fish out there, guys that aren't going to make their decisions until yeah, January yeah, February. Basically, is right. It's like entering the last part after the 72-hour window when you enter that all the way up to the second signing day. It's really like day three of the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you yeah, in terms of your evaluation and – what you need, and you got to look at the who's developing on my team, man. Can I count on that guy? And, and maybe that, it's a guy yeah. that you say, you know what, we weren't planning on taking a defensive lineman. This is a guy we really liked, and we had him. He's the best available guy. Yeah, let's go. We had let's a really go see who we can get. Great on our board, yeah. and I can't believe he dropped this far. Hell, you know what? We don't need another D lineman. We're taking him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just stuff yeah. like that, and, yeah. and it's it's really made it uh, it's it's made it interesting. The where, short you know, segmented aspect of it too, yeah. like you can sort of go into this seventy two hour window with that agenda, and then know that with the next you know two months that follow after that, you have that reset, and you sort of have to recalibrate because just like in the NFL draft, you don't even know what the other opposition may make a good or bad pick, which ultimately affects your options. Yeah, but and just like same with the recruiting, like you didn't think this kid was going to commit, and this kid commit, and real quickly can recalibrate everything for totally what good. you're doing in February. Yeah, anybody that wants more recruiting, you can get it uh, on the Horns 24-7 podcast feed with uh, Bobby Burton and Mike Roach on State of Recruiting. But you know, really, when you look at it, Rod, uh, the goal for Texas, you really you have two, two goals going into this 72-hour window. Goal number one is get as many of the commitments you've got signed as possible. Yep. And number two, Anybody that's committed elsewhere or is anticipating making a decision, get, hope that they hold off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But they give you a little time to kind of refocus. As yeah. Matt says recalibrate things. Yeah. yeah. So that's just kind of where things are at real quick on the recruiting front. So, yeah, so we do have a bowl game to talk about. We do have a bowl opponent to talk about. Rod, when I say the Alamo Bowl, that should get very few people excited. That's just my opinion on the city of San Antonio and the Alamo Dome and the bowl itself. Sorry, yeah. I just – it is Most what it Longhorn is. fans I, that I've talked to, they are indifferent about it. They, it doesn't. It's not something that really gets them going or gets them hype or excited and doesn't titillate them. Yeah. But it's also, it's like, oh, well, it's Utah. You know, I'll definitely watch it. How many people are gonna go on New Year's Eve to go watch the Longhorns when it's what? It's kind of a late game, right? It's, it's six thirty. Six thirty starts. Yeah. So it's gonna be. It is your New Year's plans essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Longhorn fans, like young fans, are gonna go. I'm gonna spend my New Year's in San Antonio at the Alamo, at the Alamo Dome. Dome. Yeah, at the Alamo. You know Dome. what's near the Alamo Dome? Uh, exactly. Well, you go to Riverwalk if that's <laughs> yeah, what that's you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's interesting about yeah. the uh, Texas and the Alamo Bowl though? Mike Finger made a great point on this. Mike Finger, the columnist for. San Antonio Express News and the Houston Chronicle. Mike was on the Texas beat for for years. Mike is the way the Alamo Bowl people looked at it. You have to look at it two different ways. Like last year, you know, they kind of got the ideal scenario where you've got two fan bases, Washington State and Iowa State, willing to travel. So all that tourism money is going to pour into the city. Mm-hmm. This year, by picking Texas, the advertisers kind of got their say because at the end of the day, what do bowl games need more than anything? You need eyeballs need on eyeballs. television yeah, sets. People watching. Yeah. And, and anytime you've got Texas, right, even if you're having a New Year's party, people are going to have random, yeah. whatever random football game we'll is on Texas TV. On. Like I remember, you know, back when I was in my partying days, you'd be having a New Year's party and like the Peach Bowl would be on. Oh, yeah. matter, like, oh, or yeah. Florida and Miami, I think, played one year. Yeah. You but that game is on. Yep. And that's going to be the random football game on. This year is going to be the Alamo Bowl. And, you know, people might be more inclined to view it if it's Texas because it's a brand name. It's a brand name. And on the other side, it's a good team. Yeah. Not, so Texas is not necessarily Utah. a good team this year, but Utah's Utah is yeah. a good team. <laughs> yeah. It's just a, it's not a brand that people know, but the Texas brand mm-hmm. going up against a good team, I think, because people love to hate Texas. So they'll tune in just to watch Texas lose. Cause yeah, because it's the big versus yeah. small, like the Boise State, Oklahoma yeah. idea that you get that yeah. mentality. This is the perfect time for Texas to get beat by Utah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a good and, way yeah, to put yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So the, you're just your Aggies and your Sooners will be tuning in too because they want to watch the, mm-hmm. the potential uh, car 
wreck. And There's, then you look at Texas overall just against Utah being, first off, like you get that type of a matchup, and Utah's a good opponent, so it sort of engages, say, the disengaged Texas fan going yeah. into the bowl season. But then it's sort of neutralized because, like, there's the stigma to the Alamo Bowl that, like, nowadays you actually send your quote-unquote second or non-you-know-whatever-playoff committee grouping team now it's normally mm -hmm. your third when it ends up that you get two from your conference to go but Alamo Bowl used to be at that lower rung so it still sort of has that stigma amongst just everyday fans like oh well that's a crappy Al Alamo Bowl because it used to be even crappier than say the Holiday Bowl or something like that so yeah. the way that it's been changed up at least just sort of weighs it and like the Big 12 the, the Bulls picking from the Big 12 schools Rod really after you get through Baylor and Oklahoma which neither one of those teams were on the table, Oklahoma being in the playoff and Baylor going to the Sugar Bowl, yeah. which I kind of like that Sugar Bowl matchup because yeah. I, I mentioned this on Twitter. I'm like, the, I said the SEC championship game where the winner gets to play for a national championship and the loser gets the first right to not care about their bowl game. Yeah, no, it is uh, <laughs> It is kind of similar. I agree with you, Matt. It's similar to last year. I, when I saw it I all come really out, I was how, like, it's weird. Yeah, I, but I think Matt Rule's a hell of a coach, so I could see Matt Rule having a hell of a game plan ready to go. The quarterback situation, I think, is the only thing that concerns me. Yeah. Nobody knows yeah. what's up with Charlie Brewer. Something weird happening. With the ever since he got hit at Texas, I mean versus Texas, yeah, it's, it's been strange. So, um, but no, with the Alamo Bowl, like they had the first pick, as Matt said, and really you're kind of looking at you know Texas at seven and five, yeah. Iowa State at seven and five, State. K State at eight and four, Man. Oak State at eight and four, and all those teams really beat each other. They finished with the same conference record, so it's not like. If the Alamo Bowl ever had a year where they could justify picking Texas at seven and five, this was the year where they could justify. I don't think there's anybody it. complaining. I don't think there's no. maybe somebody at Iowa State on the sport on radio that's complaining. About. I have no it. idea, but it's. I don't think anybody's complaining about it. it ends up being. I think uh, we'll, we won't get into all the bowls, but it's a good representation for the Big Twelve to. Once again, kind of show that maybe they are being underappreciated, disrespected. Yeah, there was nothing. There, there was nothing sexy out there, Rod. Outside of the Camping World Bowl, which if you mm -hmm. told me Texas and Notre Dame, any they could be playing is, in a in a gravel parking lot out in the middle yeah. of nowhere. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch that ten times out of ten. But that doesn't happen. Like the Liberty Bowl projection of who the Big Twelve opponent was going to be, and I wouldn't mind going to Memphis for you know New Year's. I, I didn't think cool. that would have been a bad bowl trip. But like. And the projection was Navy, and I was like, I couldn't think of a worse scenario for Texas to be in a bowl game, just yeah. fired your oh. defensive coordinator, you don't know how interested your players are going to be anyway, and you're playing a triple option team? And no. That's like, that's, like, that's, that is, last that is game worst, of their career. That is a worst case scenario yeah. for a That'd bowl game. That'd be like voter. BYU, Taysom Hill all over. That is, yeah. a, that is a no, if the there's ever a no-win situation, that's it. And they're always well-coached and disciplined. <laughs> yeah. As yeah. Bucky yeah. Bolt would say, yeah. you don't, anytime you play the ankle biters, you don't want to be playing ankle biters. <laughs> ankle biters. Especially in a bowl game. No, no, I'm with you on that. Well, that's the question, right? What's the motivation for Texas? and their players what's the motivation for Utah I happen to think Utah will be motivated just because yeah. it's the brand of Texas they're playing Kyle Whittingham I think he's 11 and 2 in his bowl games mm -hmm. I think Kyle Whittingham will have that team ready to go they they got to be disappointed off their last game versus Oregon because mm -hmm. that's the worst they played defensively all year other than maybe that USC game but at least the USC game they were able to keep USC from running but I think USC had like 13 Rushing yards yeah, in that, that game. They had, game. They you know what I mean? And Fink just had a ton half. of passing yards. They were able to throw the football. That was a Friday night game, wasn't yep. it? Yeah, yeah, they were able to throw the For football game, all like over that Utah defense. But at least you were able to make them one-dimensional. Man, honestly, Oregon was able to do whatever the hell they wanted to do against that Utah defense. That was the first time anybody was able to have their way with that Utah defense. So I, they, they'll come out motivated. It's, it's, the, it's the best defense Texas statistically has faced all year. Statistically, Texas has not faced a better defense than this Utah defense. They are and the maybe, highest ranked. They are the highest ranked SP plus defense. If you look yeah. at SP plus rankings, Utah's tenth. I think the next closest defense Texas faced. I think Baylor's sixteenth. Yeah. Uh, LSU's nineteenth, and then I don't know if there's anybody else in the top. I don't think there's anybody else like in the top twenty-five. Iowa State. Iowa State might be rolling around in there like in the. 25 to 30 yeah, range. Not only do they have that on the defensive side, but on the offensive side too. Like, I don't know if Texas faced a better quarterback running back 
out-of-the-backfield combo. Like, you have the ability to, like, Texas can't stop dual-threat quarterbacks for years, and now you're facing maybe one of the most electric ones in all of college football with a really good running back. Too. That's true. But I will say they see that in the Big 12. They've at least seen it before. You know seen what I mean? With Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma, yeah. I don't know if you get better than their combo. It's crazy, I mean? though. Like, that's then, how good this No, Utah you're right. It's really is. good. But even with Chuba Hubbard and Spencer Sanders, like, no, they saw – they see some really dynamic – they're right threat. there in that group. But I agree with you. No, no, Zach Moss is a freak, man. He yeah. is. He's really good. He's amazing. Am I wrong when I say, like, Utah to me is kind of more of a – they're kind of more of a souped-up version of what Baylor is to yeah. an extent. Like, the schemes West are a little bit – The schemes are a little bit different. But um, personnel-wise, they kind of remind me of a little more souped-up version of Baylor. Uh, what that D-line, I can see you making that compare. That D-line worries me. I think that that D-line may, may be able to overpower Texas O-line. I don't think Texas will be able to run the ball against Utah. There's no. No, but offensively, though, Rod, when you look at like what Baylor likes to do, they will run some, some 12 personnel. Oh, yeah. They will run some 11 personnel. Yeah. and. Quarterback Sim- run game. Yeah, similar to what Baylor does, like Utah. It's not flashy. Like you kind of pretty much know what they're going to do. It's just a matter Baylor may of have better wide receivers on yeah, the outside, I agree. and I think Utah has better running backs. Yeah, but I I totally agree with what you're Stylist. talking about in terms of what they want to accomplish yeah, and how they want. That's kind of where I'm getting at yeah, yeah. in my incoherent rambling. No, 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 I totally so thank, agree thanks for picking me up there. No, I no, 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 no. I told I feel you exactly when you said it. I was like, actually, not you said it because I've watched like four Utah games now. I totally agree with that. I watched a ton of Baylor. But that's but yeah. that to me though, Rod, what you said, that that's what's gonna determine this matchup for him. And, and it's like what we said about Texas going against Baylor. If Texas can't block Baylor up front, that's what we said going into that game. If they can't block Baylor up front, none, nothing else is gonna matter because they won't be able to move the football. And it, we, we got what we got. It was for all intents and purposes twenty four to three. You can count that touchdown if you want. Yeah. That's whatever. what worries me. That worries me. I yeah. think that the trenches right now is what the biggest – because I think if you have a healthy Colin Johnson and he said he's going to play, right, in the, in the bowl game. Well, he hasn't said that. Devin Duvernay was speaking for him a few uh, weeks ago. Well, Duvernay so, speaking for we him. Haven't, we I, haven't I gotten – I trust Duvernay. Con- he seems right, well, like you know a stern fellow. Know we haven't gotten confirmation from, from Colin, Colin Johnson as of right now. Well, my thing was if you – if you if if butts, candies, and nuts, if you had a healthy Colin Johnson and Duvernay, which is the freak that he's become, mm-hmm. and a Brennan Eagles, and you actually start to spread them out, run 10 personnel with the four wide receivers, and putting Jake Smith or Elps in the slot, I don't care what defense you're going up against. That's going to give them a little bit of a problem if you can get the football to them. But as you said, they may not be able to block long enough to be able to get the football downfield to those guys either. Yeah. So that's honestly, that's my biggest concern. Uh, Morgan Scally, yeah. who was we talked about Morgan Scally last week on this podcast. If you were asking me kind of my wish list for Texas defensive coordinator hires, he was number one on my list, as unrealistic as that might have been. But Utah's locked him down with a long term contract extension. He's not going anywhere for all intents and purposes. Now we knew right? he, he wasn't going anywhere. He is. Yeah, that would have been weird. They yeah, haven't. Yeah. I don't believe. Over and was with, yeah, I don't believe that wouldn't happen. I don't believe they've attached the title to it. But for all intents and purposes, he is head coach in waiting over there. I mean, it seems like yeah. very logical that he, whenever Kyle Whittingham decides yep. to retire, that Morgan Scala is going to be the next. He's their must champ. Yeah, and he literally is yeah. their must champ. No, well, well, they've been running that. And people, they've been running the same defense for honestly like twenty years, twenty five years, yeah. and it, it's the same defense basically that Kyle Whittingham's dad ran, yeah. that uh, that Scally played in. So it is just, yeah, it's just too much going on, man. It's too many family ties mm-hmm. there. So I didn't think that was gonna happen, but I will say this: it is worrying me now in the coordinator search that so Scally's off the table on defense. I know they've interviewing Barry Ona, Barry Odom is seen as one of the top Barry, guys now. The the def, the, the defense. I don't want to use cumbersome's not the right word to use, but that's kind of a good word to use in the process. Okay. It's kind of a cumbersome process finding yeah. a defensive coordinator. Um, right I don't know. It's just weird. They're that, very thorough, I guess, if you want to look at a class half full. No, no, it should be thorough. I'm, I'm like, but I think I, the Graham Harrell thing. You know, I think right now it's you know it's hovering around a little over 50 percent chance you could get them. Until it ain't a, it ain't a. Now I think the the optimism is starting to wane a little bit, and I don't know. I think though, Rod, that I think that's just optics because of the time it's of taking. Course. But I mean, until until Graham Harrell says something, you're just kind of stuck in this situation where like Tom Herman doesn't even know. Nobody knows. So and it's so weird that he's out recruiting and can do that. That's why I was like, the sales pitch must be really strange when because I'm a recruit. I'll tell you straight up. I know my I know Henry. Henry would ask. Right in front of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just I, say, hey, you tell us. You know what I mean? And, and really wouldn't let them leave the room until they got an answer. 
yeah. that they were satisfied with. So I, I just wonder what's happening no, in those, I those homes every time. at the in those coaching rooms. You know what I mean? Like what's in the coaches' offices? What those meetings? How they're going? Because the first question I'm asking right now is, dude, are you going to be there or not? I just need to know, like straight up. Like you can't. I don't want to sell anything. Are you going to be at USC or not? Yeah. If you can't give me a straight answer, then if I'm coming there for for you or partly for that reason, then I got to reconsider. I at least got to open yeah. up my recruitment. So I just, I just wonder what, and even, like I said, I, for everybody involved, Tom Herman, all those guys. Well, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, we learned this with USC and players, and this unfolded, and it got yeah. Texas a recruit last year yeah. because Cliffy exactly. was going in all the yeah. same situation. It's, and yeah. it's crazy and it how goes, incestuous, yeah. like, you were going to hire Cliff. They win. We can't hire Cliff. He's going to go to USC, and then you're going to hire Harold this year. Yeah. And it's the same way, and you look at the situation, it's hard to tell those players, and I still always just laugh back thinking the 2013 when Mac Brown was, still out there on the road killing himself killing in himself. Florida recruiting and it was like oh no I'm not stepping down I'm going to be the head coach of Florida <laughs> we just play for the Big 12 championship <laughs> game and like yeah. yeah I mean you got to go until you, know, you really aren't is. there you know what I say? it's it's almost they, it's like how you said you're paid for a, university all these, these coaches are in a muscle-eye situation because yes, you're and paid for to do your job for yeah, the university and you're paid for that allegiance but it's a muscle-eye situation it's like when somebody presents you with an ugly baby yeah. nobody <laughs> who has an ugly baby knows they have an ugly baby because nobody will ever tell them that's a beautiful baby your oh, baby's gorgeous exactly oh look at that beautiful face no that's an, uh, it's an ugly baby but nobody will ever know that. it's a must lie situation and i think this is one of those must lie situations where everybody's telling a little white lie they may not want to go all in on the lie mm -hmm. you know what i mean they may phrase it differently but everybody's being you know everybody's being dishonest sometimes in this situation. give you a tell you have here to. or there because they're not telling these kids, man, I don't have no idea. Graham Harrell's not walking through the room going, I have no idea what I like want to do. Like I said, do. that's the worst thing. I'm a little thing. torn. That's, that's My the wife worst. really wants to go back to Texas. My dad is there. I'm from Texas. I love that place. But, man, have you been to the beach? This is L.A. Yeah. God, it's awesome. And I have three quarterbacks that I've already talked to and I've already developed and my system is here. Man, I'm really torn. I have no idea really what I want to do. Like USC's like, offering me $2 million, and so is Texas. I might be able to get on to $2.5 million. we got to see. I'm waiting on my agent to figure that out. They're not telling them all that stuff. They're not telling them all that stuff. The worst thing the worst thing emotions. you can, yeah. The worst thing you can tell a recruiter now is I don't know. Exactly. Like you're not telling them you don't know. I, if so, you're be, the worst thing is the, is being honest at that point. Exactly. It's crazy. You got to be a cutthroat so, saving guy and like not even care or be detached so, from your emotions. So let's go doomsday. What if you don't get Graham Harrell? What if he decides the beaches of L.A. <laughs> right and the, the money they're gonna give him and hell the president and the director I should probably talked to him and said hey man you know what we might keep you and get rid of Clay L. just so you know you might be a, you know, I was surprised that you got a shot didn't have you got a shot man just so you know you would be on our short list of candidates when we fired this dude just so you know that's how much we like you and say all that works and he goes you know what hell man. I love the beaches here. I love it. I love USC. It's awesome. You know what? I'm staying here. And honestly, I don't really, I don't really trust Tom Herman over here. Honestly, I don't even know if I like the guy. Tech guy I, for whatever it is. You know what I mean? Whatever it is. And say he doesn't come. And we know now that Joe Brady has already said he's staying. He said mm -hmm. he said it publicly. They got him on video saying, "Man, I ain't going nowhere. They offered me big money here. They showed me love here. I like it here. Boom, I'm staying." Uh, I think Jeff Scott, the Clemson, OC Clemson, of Clemson, Clemson. is he's now off the table Florida. too. Who are you going to go get doomsday scenario? Hmm. You, three of your top, what, four or five candidates I'll see are off the table now if, if Graham Harrell turns you down? In theory, yeah. I, I think what you have to do, Rod, you can you can go one of two ways. That would be that'd be quite a fuster cluck. Tom, Tom Herman, <laughs> yeah. Tom Herman okay. can, go, can go one of two ways. E either one I don't think would be. By the uh, way, I don't think Graham Harrell's going to turn it down. I actually think Graham Harrell's going to take the job. Right, so, but let's just go. Let's just go down the road, yeah, yeah. right? Playing hypotheticals here. So it's all we can do right now. Um, Tom Herman can go one of two ways. One, I don't think would excite Texas fans all that much, and one I think would make the fan base very nervous. The way number one is try to find somebody that aligns philosophically with what you do. Um, yeah. Is that a Rhett Lashley at SMU? Is that somebody that runs kind of that Gus Malzahn power spread type offense, whatever it is? Okay, maybe you go down that road. Yeah. Road number two is – and this goes back to the point you made last week in terms of is Tom Herman doing his due diligence. Tom Herman has to go find his Joe Brady. He's got to go find his yeah. Lincoln Riley. He's got to go find yeah. the next guy and trust that, no, yeah. I put in the work. I know the guy I'm hiring. What Chad Morris was to Dabo when Dabo went out and hired him was like, are you sure about this? He's like, oh, I'm sure. I watched enough. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And you know what? Even Gundy does that. Gundy went and found – 
What's the lad? The OC just got now. Uh, like, was it Shippensburg? Ivy League. I don't know where yeah. he's from. Like, oh no, that was uh, that was uh, was Yurich right? Shippensburg. He's, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yurich Shippensburg. From, yeah, he's found multiple ones. For, like, where's this guy from? You had to go like, Shippensburg and do school. the research. I never heard of. Yeah, go find that dude, man. Like seriously, like this is. I'm just saying, if if the doomsday situation happens, where your top three candidates are off the board. Yeah, you got to start thinking more outside the box. And, and that's a good point. Either he's going to go more inside the box if that happens and go more toward his pro spread, power spread, and that comfort zone, or he's going to blow it up completely up and go way outside the box. And that's what's most interesting And I about wonder which you know way he'll go. Which direction will go, it will sort of maybe Sean be Gleason's telling. Sean Gleason's Princeton, by the way. Princeton. Princeton. I knew he was Ivy League. Yeah, you go. Yeah, but think about it. I mean, nobody. You going to the Ivy League and got your guy? That means he's doing deep dive research on OCs, man. Yes, that means you're <laughs> identifying an offense that you like and you can see what you want. And that's just if we see Herman go the route of something that's foreign to him, it'll sort of be telling as to, all right, this is going to be that guy's offense 100%. But too. then if it's something yeah. that aligns with them, there's that murky world where we don't have that type he of may clarification. Put his in the pot too much. Well, and yeah. it's just that we wouldn't know, we wouldn't be able to Dis- clearly maybe- discern one or the other. That's a great point. Yeah. So it'll be just interesting to see which direction we go. But, I mean, if you get got Herman because he's such a great offensive mind him being able to identify those type of things that's what you want him to do yeah but again you know Graham Harrell could make a decision and no no I think Graham Harrell's gonna take the gig I do I really do but my point is Tom Herman's paid the big bucks and he's gonna get like a one million dollar bonus or something on Christmas he's paid the big bucks to think about the 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 worst case scenario until said decision is made you you need to be working on yeah just in case i guess he ain't said yes yet so that means in my mind honestly he's saying no i gotta start looking for the next best thing i'll give him the chance to tell me no but i'll be prepared for it when he tells me and then i'll be ready to move on i'll have plan b c and d the contingency plans ready to go because right now you know those top some of those top targets as we you know you guys reported earlier and they've been mentioned they're slowly off the table. Yeah, and, and the defensive coordinator search, Rod. There are guys being vetted. I mean, some no, of the I na- like that. Some of the names being vetted, like when you hear Todd Graham got a phone call. Like that's not very exciting to the fan base. Consider when you look up Arizona State's defensive numbers yeah. his last few years there. But you're going down the to, list. to what we talked about last week. At least there is a vetting process going on, and at least you're doing some homework on some different guys. There's no rush on the defensive side, I don't think. And I know you could lose, you know, well, you know, some guys could consider for head coaching jobs, you could lose them potentially. Um, but I think offensively is where there may be more of a sense of urgency just because of the culture of football these days. Offensive guys are just more coveted. They are. You know what I mean? They just they come off the table really quickly and they come, you know what I mean? They get more opportunities and they have more leverage in negotiations because they have more opportunities. Defensive guys are pretty much like, up. Oh, I'm waiting. Somebody hit me up. Yeah. I mean, Chris Ashton. Well, it also I mean? like, it's, it's why you can't miss out if you're good. Yeah, like, you got to have your yeah, offense guys. Now other be, teams yeah. can streamline production exactly right. and lesser talent can be That's, lifted yeah. via scheme and coaching. Mm-hmm. And if you don't or if you screw that up, it's going to really be telling. I mean, it's, it's just like it's, you talk about how, like, in the NFL and the NBA right now, you can see – Either you're really good and you know what you're doing, or there's the other bottom eight teams of the league that are about as detached as you possibly can be. And you don't want to end up on that other side where you're playing just at a built-in disadvantage. Yeah, you know, my thinking on that is I think for Tom Herman, Rod, there has to be more of a sense of urgency to get the offensive higher right. And here's why I say that. If you're looking at it from an extremely short-term view, because I think that's how Tom Herman has to look at it. Because if he doesn't get these hires right, anything beyond 2020 is moot anyway because he ain't going to be here. Agreed. So you've got to look at this in a very short term. And I think offensively, you've got one shot to get this right and maximize the last year you've got with Sam Ellinger. There is no – for Sam Ellinger, there is nothing beyond 2020. Yeah. So for Tom Herman, I think it's okay. How do I squeeze the most juice out of this piece of fruit that is your offense in 2020? I think defensively – because this is something that I think people have missed on the – and I had debates on Twitter over the weekend. And oh, why God. you get in Twitter debates, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why you do it. Don't people still, people are still hung up on the three-man three man, three man man front. And I'm like, do you guys realize, like, whoever wins this conference championship game is going to win it with a defensive basis out of a three-man front? The yeah. three-man front is not the freaking problem. problem. And do you know why? Because <laughs> people are missing the thing that you've told me, that NFL guys have told you, that we've realized on the show that I realized a few years ago when I had my head in the weeds, like after Manny Diaz – it was the same person that gave me the quote, Rod, football is a simple game made complicated by simple men. Mm. 
the same person said, look, when you've got when you're in a place like Texas, if you're doing it right in recruiting and player development, you don't Doesn't need a complicated scheme. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you don't. Because on because what at the end of the day, on defense, you freaking win with players. Yeah. You can talk about scheme all you want. You win with freaking players on defense. Oh, develop yep. players, by the way. Yes. So the problem is Texas is getting those players. I truly believe they're getting those players. What Texas is not doing is developing those players, getting back to the three-man front. Listen, <laughs> right now uh, I think Texas probably is recruiting better defensive linemen than Baylor and then Iowa State. They're running three-man fronts, and they're running them really, really effectively. All right? Mm. So Texas can do that. Texas just – Schematically, they didn't make a couple of tweaks. I think the 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 lineman, the D lineman from Baylor, they're in five. The DNs are in fives a lot of the time mm-hmm. instead of that four I. Instead of being so tight, gives them a chance to actually rush the pass. And just for everybody that's out there, when you're in a four I shade, you're you're playing an inside shade. Yes, it's a, it's a tighter alignment. Yeah. The five is a wider defensive end, more of a pass rushing set. Yes. Uh, so that's it's a simple tweak, uh, but also those guys are well developed. And we talked about uh, was it James Lynch? James Lynch. He's from he's from Round Rock. For God's sakes. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Bra- Bra- Bravion Roy got better. Every year he's a Baylor. You yeah. watch him. Bravion Roy got better. And, by, getting, and yeah. by the end of his senior year, yeah, he, he's imp- he's what you want. If yeah. you're playing an odd front, he's what you want in a nose. Yeah. You cannot block him with one guy. It's about talent development, folks, at this point. And getting back to what the, you know your, your coaching friend told you, if you're in a three-man front or a four-man front at the University of Texas, you should be able to recruit the kind of athletes where – Ultimately, what you are running should not be considered a a liability. Like, oh, three man front man, they're gonna get killed. Like, what are you? Are we really talking about this now? Think it about, isn't that simple. Think about how absurd that is. When yes. uh, you just mentioned the two best def, arguably two of the three best defenses in the Big Twelve run a three man front. That it doesn't make sense, people. That's not what the problem is. The problem is the, Texas is not developing that talent. The, the only yeah. the only per, the only defense, the only really good defense in the Big Twelve that doesn't base out of a three man front is TCU because as we talked about and Tom Herman even said it, Gary Patterson yeah, till the down. till the day somebody tells him you have to stop coaching, he's gonna be a four down quarter. Quarter coverage guy. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Yeah. So I, I think and this is what Well like to to your point, Rod, Todd Orlando ran a damn good three man front two years ago and nobody really was complaining about it. I agree. Why was it? Why was that front really good? Because you had Puno Ford and Nose, and you had Charles Menhu, an NFL talent rushing the passer, yeah. and you had linebackers, that linebackers could run that four, could four, run like four other people's five. receivers. <laughs> and, and, something you need with a three-man front. And getting back to that, so getting back to the coordinators' discussion, we talked about Orlando in 2017 when he schematically uh, stole some concepts or borrowed concepts to mimic that Iowa State defense. Has John Hecock got a call? Have we, they're, my, they're, hitting to, up, they're hitting up Todd Graham, for God's sakes. Have they hit up John Hecock? To my knowledge, no. That's a damn I'm shit. not saying it hasn't. I'm right. just saying to my I'm knowledge. Just, man, if it hasn't happened, good Lord. Yeah, that would be – that That would to me will be a tragedy, much like you mentioned. I talked about this on the show, too. I'm watching the college football playoff, right, and I'm, watch, I'm looking at three transfer quarterbacks in their first years mm-hmm. in systems. And, and just take Joe Burrow right now, who is playing ungodly football, who's probably going to end up – winning the Heisman by the largest majority in the history of the Heisman. Mm-hmm. And last year, nobody in college football would have said he was a better quarterback than Sam Ellinger. Nobody. No. And in nobody fact, at all. I, he, and, yeah. and Joe Brady comes in, brings in all of these, these cheat codes and these great concepts that are compatible with Joe Burrow. Even Joe Burrow said it before. He said, man, we're going back to a lot of things I ran in high school with the RPOs. That's kind mm-hmm. of what, you know, that's kind of what he grew up Marrying in. Marrying that system yeah, with Yeah, basically with his skill set with that with that specific system. And now Joe Burrow, his ceiling, he has shattered his glass ceiling. Oh, yeah. Now they're saying number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. He's that good. It's like and, Tyler you know, and Baker. Exactly. And I'm not saying Sam Ellinger is ever going to be what Joe Burrow is right now. But you see the incompetence of that Tom Herman system lower his ceiling in 2018 it's like damn sam ellinger he's got at least 25 passing touchdowns at least 15 rushing touchdowns hell only what what's the guys lamar jackson and power five quarterbacks lamar jackson cam newton tim tebow johnny manziel and i believe marcus Mariota Hmm. were the only other quarterbacks who had who had done that power five quarterbacks they all won heismans we were talking about sam ellinger being up for the heisman Mm -hmm. and now he's honorable mention when, All Big 12. When Texas played LSU, we were like, oh, Joe Burrow played right there with Sam right, Ellinger. Right, right, right. And think about it. so grateful. <laughs> That's what we said. And, and think about it. This is what a system will do. And, and look, what, what, look what Ryan Day is doing right now with, with Justin with, Fields. With, 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 you know what I mean? You can see it. Jalen Hurts, of course, with Lincoln Riley. He does it with every damn, but he can do it with you, Jeff. He can yeah. turn you into a decent Big 12 quarterback, all right? That's how good Lincoln Riley is because we've seen him do it over and over again. My point is – 
one of the great tragedies, and I totally agree with you, and I ranted about this on the show, Sam Ellinger, we know how good Sam Ellinger is. He's the best quarterback on the Ford Acres last 50 years, not named Vince Young or Cole McCoy, and yet we saw him regress and get worse. That's tragedy. That's tragic, man. That's a waste. Now, we're talking about wasting good quarterbacks. How many good quarterbacks have we had on the 40 Acres in the last 10 years? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One? <laughs> him. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And we wasted one of his years. Shameful. <laughs> Shameful. Every- Every Shameful, like man. last one we might have had was Garrett Gilbert, and we wasted that one. Too. We wasted that one too because of <laughs> offensive incompetence. Yeah, he was. Well, I know, but no, I you're right. To that offensive level. ineptitude. Yes. Yeah, like it, it's weird. Everything that we had kind of us on this show and everybody in this market that you had hoped against hope David Ash might possibly end up being is kind of what Sam Ellinger is, and then some, mm-hmm. and more, way, way more. Yeah, yeah. And yet you just you just wasted one of his years. That's what I'm saying, Rod. Was like, supposed to be like his. You know, his introduction yeah to, his, the, yeah, to the big time. That's, that's, that's why. 05 Vince, like, wow. it would all align that way. That's why the sense of Crazy, urgency man. to me to get the OC hire right for Tom Herman, that that's where the sense of urgency resides. I agree because you, Because yeah. we're at the era of football because that if optimal you, offense, it cannot be defended. Not just that. Exactly. It's, Especially with a good quarterback. It's even simpler than that. If you waste Sam Ellinger's senior year, if you're Tom Herman, you won't be around in 2021 to think about it. I agree with that. True. Because when you look at recent history of Texas, somebody was just asking me on my show, and they said, look at all the you know, college football playoff quarterbacks and how they're having instant success. And I said, well, everybody in college football, if you're a blue blood, it's more money, more problems. If you're recruiting great quarterbacks, you got to deal with quarterbacks leaving. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. That is a problem you want to have. Great quarterbacks coming in, they're all going to want to leave because only one of them can play. The, the difference is you can't waste that quarterback's prime years anymore. When you get a good quarterback, you better make sure you maximize him because you may not have Baker Mayfield for long. He may leave. Yeah. <laughs> you may not have Justin Fields for long. He may leave. You better, you better make your mind up here and there. You're going to maximize. And I think Georgia's thinking they made the wrong decision. Like, damn, we might have messed up there. Mm-hmm. We might have should have chose the wrong guy. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Bama had to make the decision. Like, see you, Jalen Hurts. You got to go. We're going with Tua. And I think for Texas – if they waste Sam Ellinger, I think the number is they've re- they recruited what twenty quarterbacks, signed twenty quarterbacks since two thousand five. Three of them have finished their eligibility on the forty acres playing the quarterback position. Just three: the McCoys and Tyrone Swoops. Rest of them either transferred, retired, or changed, changed positions. positions. And by the way, Rashawn Johnson just changed positions. Mm-hmm. So we're about mm-hmm. to go fifteen of those twenty quarterbacks retired, transferred, or changed positions. It's hard to find them. And when you find him, you're gonna waste one of his years. And this Shameful. is this is another and thing. You let Bouchelle go, and Bouchelle is balling. This is you another. You can't waste those years. You better, when you get him, you better you better yeah, play. Well, him. We got Bouchelle. We're like we got a quarterback, and they're playing. They're playing at a younger age. This now, is too. this is another yep. thing that I want to address because people are like well the quarter the quarter I've heard some people say the quarterback job needs to be open in the spring. Oh, that's ridiculous. I don't that's like, and it's not to me. <laughs> I like it's, competition. It's but nothing you know against it's watching. nothing against Casey Thompson, right? Yeah. But to your point, Rod. When you have a proven commodity Man. at maybe the most important position in sports, mm-hmm. you you have to maximize that commodity. Go all, on, oh, go yeah. all in on it. That's what Empower Lamar Jackson him. and the Ravens are, are, are teaching you. you go to, you, all in on that guy. Yeah, It's not how <laughs> yeah. he opened up Vince totally Young. Agree. It was by empowering him and yeah. getting him confident, and, and, not by stripping and, and, something and, away in that last year and being like, oh, yeah, you should change And we saw it too many times this year where Tom Herman did not empower Sam. You know what I mean? He did not give it up. He did not go all in on this. And it's, it's, it's this thing that upsets me about this, this offense because I was bamboozled and I was and I was led astray and I was run amok. I really yeah. was, and I, I apologize to everybody listening because I was all in this offense because I I mistook uh, randomness for uh, calculation. And what I mean by that is when when I heard Tom Herman was talking to David Beatty and they were behind the scenes, you know, they were hatching out plans. I figured, oh, you know what he's doing? He's bringing in air raid influence. He's bring. He's gonna try to get the air. He's gonna. He was trying to funk up this. Uh, this offense a little bit with a little air raid mm-hmm. concepts here what, and there. What was the percentage? Beatty ran ten personnel last year. Oh, it was. It was top. It was top. It was top. Ten, it was top five. I think. I think only football. only Texas Tech under yeah, Cliff Kingsbury ran more ten personnel. Like old school right. leech kind of stuff. And I was like, ooh, they're gonna freak it out. They're gonna run a lot more ten personnel. When I saw them in the spring game run twenty one personnel, two backs, one tight end, and then they went empty formation with Jordan Whittington like, and oh. Keontae Ingram went up. Oh. Ooh, we're going to see a lot of that now. Ooh, it's going to be – oh, man, it's going to be crazy. Nobody's going to be able to match up with Texas. And when I heard they were bringing in – it was Andre Coleman. Is that his name, Andre mm-hmm. Coleman? From K-State, I figured, ooh, quarterback run game. Who has Same better quarterback idea. run game than K-State? Nobody. Texas is going to run. Because you're trying to connect yeah, these dots. I'm connecting all these dots, <laughs> which, which is basically – it is a big randomness, as you yes, know, Matt. Yes. But I, I basically I, – I mischaracterized it as – 
oh no, this is this is all intentional. This is diabolical. This yeah. is Tom Herman putting together a Frankenstein monster on offense. No, turns out he didn't know what the hell he was doing. He was just, it was well, just random. Sometimes you it can just stumble. Like this. <laughs> oh, you know what? Oh, oh, I need to talk to David Beatty about, I don't know, uh, Info Wars. I don't know what the hell they were talking I have no idea. But apparently you weren't doing what I thought you were doing because I thought you was building this Frankenstein monster around going all in on Sam Ellinger. And you didn't. And sometimes and you, you can just stumble into those things yeah. and they can align and they can be successful. But if the process gets you there via randomness and it's yeah. not behind something we, we talked about. We uh, talked about exactly. all these things. We, we talked about like, Larry, yeah. Larry Fedora with the R- RPO, oh, RPO, RPO influence. You gave us a screen. Yeah, we, we, we didn't see it again. We made all these grand you know, proclamations and prognostications about this offense. And I, I do want to apologize because I assumed and I, I guess gave you all the evidence why I thought, oh, he's going to build something great here. And it, it was trending that way early, but turns out he never really put all those things together in a way to make to weaponize Sam. And it was so strange. You to weren't me. wrong, Rod. This Weird. goes this goes back to the question I had, and what you're saying is the question I had coming out of the Baylor game before the Texas Tech game. The question I'd have for Tom Herman is what the hell did you really accomplish last <laughs> offseason? Agreed. What did you do? Mm-hmm. What were you doing? Like the the uh the because the, the intent the, right? in, the intent could be seen based on all these factors you mentioned, but either your execution was piss poor or I, I don't know like what if, what if you the, were doing. If the, if the tight end position is so important, and we've talked about in this show, I've said it's the link, right, between the, pro, uh, the pro's philosophy and the spread ideology and your pro-spread you know, uh, mentality. If that is the case, then how come you ain't developed these damn tight ends? You've been recruiting tight ends since you got here. Remember the first damn position I think you you actually recruited when you got here was tight end. Tight end. And yet you ain't figured out how to develop these tight ends into something that can be even resemble what Andrew Beck did. It's All be- of these guys have more talent than Andrew it's Beck. It's beyond that, Rob. What the Rob, hell is going it's, on? It's beyond that. <laughs> it's is your is your offense, is your system, this pro spread offense that Tom Herman runs, is it such a house of cards? Are you telling me it's such a house of cards that Without Andrew Beck and Colin Johnson, it just completely goes to crap. Well, dude, if that's the because case, that's what it looked like. Why don't you have tight ends like Iowa State? They got like four of them. Yeah. I'm always looking all at over these Texas. big, giant, athletic tight ends with long, flowing hair out their helmets. I'm like, hey, can we get one of those? Guys? Yeah, we just need one. <laughs> you big guys guy. want to transfer to Texas? You can come here and play. I'm like, if they, if, they, if it's that important, then why? If, if Colin Johnson is that important, why the hell haven't you been working with Malcolm Epps to make him the next Colin Johnson or Brendan Eagles? Why or are Mar- why or, is their route tree, as you pointed out, why is it so limited? Or then? why or to you? To the Colin Johnson point, why are you, with all due respect to the young man, because he got his degree, he was track All-American everything else, why is John Burt playing instead of Marcus Washington? I have no idea. That's yeah, what well, we saw from Marcus too. Washington, that was awesome. Marcus Washington showed me more. That's a great question. Marcus too. Washington showed me more in one catch in the Texas Tech game than John Burt showed me in the last two years. I can agree with you on that. Yep. Yeah. And when you just brought up the route no. tree, something that I had heard some people talking about in the NFL, and it, whenever I heard them talking about just certain keys that are being basically read off of the primary route within offense, oh, yeah. that then, but I mean, it really opened up my eyes to thinking, well, I mean, if you know that Duvernay and the entire offense is built off of him, oh, yeah. it's just so it's much easy. easier to then shut down the other valves. And we had talked about yeah. the predictable nature, but then the way that even the lack of development with the wider receivers exactly. to make sense. And then we hear about this Marringer stuff in the room and like, it makes sense that you hear at times like after games, like Sam Ellinger just sort of being like, I don't know what's wrong. You're going to have to figure that out with the coaches. Like whenever it got bad and it got bad quick and yeah. it's just something that you hope you can reconcile real quickly, but you wouldn't have even envisioned it to get to where it did. No, I totally agree. Like I just don't, I, I didn't. I, I I mistook the like I said the randomness for something that was calculated, and it wasn't. It was just Tom Herman is kind of fumbling and stumbling into things, and now I can't trust his vision. I thought that was. I thought I, was, I thought I was following his vision, and it turns out I wasn't. And I'm with Matt. He, play, he wants to be a. He wants to play meathead football, and it's like. You don't need to play meathead you're football. You're smart, man. You're, you're meant to do. Yeah. You're the one. Your schemes you're, is what got you here, not yeah. just headbutting people. Schemes and, and development. So we'll see. I, I mean, I just think Tom Herman needs to understand where where it went off the rails for him, and that the, if the he, if he thinks that pro spread works, then great. 
You need to reinforce it then with development at key positions. And I think, you, yeah, you better, you, better, tight end, you better go search the grad transfer market for a freaking tight end. And you better go find a, another Colin Johnson type that can one-on-one. He's basically open every damn time because Malcolm Epps ain't it. And I love Malcolm Epps, but he ain't it. You know what I mean? Like So if those things, and, and make sure your age, and I think his age is actually still stocked pretty good. That's why I think Jake Smith's going to be in a, a decent age for you. But to your but, point about X, I mean, Marcus Washington could be that guy, but you basically wasted a year of Marcus Washington. Yeah, because you didn't develop it. And we now know why, because there was issues with the wide receiver and coach in the room. And I don't know, it's just weird to me that, uh, you know, Tom Herman is an offensive guru. He's an offensive genius. And yet, you know, even when he tried to rescue it, he couldn't. He couldn't save it. So that's why I wonder, do you just ditch the pro spread for now and go somewhere else? Or do you are you still clinging to, nope, this pro spread works. I just need to run it the right way and do it better. That's, I mean, I still don't yeah, know. I, I don't assume know he was, like, ditching it. That's why the air raid was coming in. So I think he's ditching that thing going, I, you know what, I screwed it. Or you're trying to marry the air raid with the pro spread, which, you know what, that can work. Because, listen, Bob Stoops famously, when Bob Stoops brought in the air raid, and I've, I've been doing research on air raid, and it's so, it's so freaking fascinating, man, how it spread. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bob Stoops, when he was at D.C. at Florida, he, he went up against Leach as the O.C. at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And go look at those, those like, two years. Mm-hmm. And I think, man, they, Kentucky, Kentucky lost. They lost, but, man, they lit up Florida. And Florida was loaded with tons of talent. And Bob Stoops, when he got his job, he said, I want the one offense that I had the hardest time trying to stop. That's the offense I want. The one that perplexed me and stupefied me. I want that running, uh, you know, on my off- in my offensive phase. And I think for Tom Herman, man, to me, that's John Heacock. To me, yeah. if, you're, if, you're, if you're doing the same thing, like, what stopped my pro spread? What has stumped it? What has basically now proliferated through the Big 12? Baylor running well, it that's why, that's why he. That's why he got Todd Orlando. And even Texas running basically some of the same concept, John Heacock. If you're Texas and you hadn't reached out to that guy, then you're not doing what Bob Stoops did when he first took over the job at Oklahoma. I don't even think it's 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 necessarily John Heacock, right? I just think you have to you have to bring in a getting to the defensive coordinator position. It's got to be somebody that can just for the most part you you have to you have to trust your talent and player development on defense way more than you have to trust it on offense. I totally and agree. just let these guys go freaking play. Yeah, but stop blitzing. Stop having like a seventy percent blitz rate. Like if you're at Texas, your blitz rate should be like. Eight percent, but a ten percent blitz only, that only works if you're developing talent. True, you're going Which, to a, so you're going to assume Texas is going to do something that they haven't done in like a decade. Well, but so, develop, I mean? developing talent on defense hasn't been the problem. Yeah. To me, the problem. Uh, to me, the problem. Uh, to me, here's the know. no, no. Here's the, the problem. Maximizing it. Here's you the could, problem. You can to, that. Here's the problem to me defensively. Talent, here's the problem to me defensively. Is you've gotten in these cycles where you've had coaching turnover, and look at the recruiting cycles where you've missed guys on defense. Go back to 2014. Like how different would a Texas defense look if you had Solomon Thomas, if you had Jamal Adams? Oh, I totally agree. If, if you were in a position where Miles Garrett didn't say stuff like, "Ah, I'm not going to go to Texas. They don't develop guys. Guys don't get better." Go back to 2017. How different would a defense look if you were in a position to get Jeffrey Okuda? If you were in a position to get Marvin Wilson and Baron Browning and these other guys? So I just think you're in and you're in one of these cycles now, Rod, where you're making so this saying, coordinator change. But you've been doing. But my saying is, you're going to assume they're going to break the cycle, and I you can't assume that you're going. You're just going to randomly assume the best. No, because when, the, they, when they've gone through the same like. Developing talent hasn't been the problem. It's do you have a system in place that can allow you to do that with some level of consistency where you don't have these gaps every third year where things well, just fall I, off a cliff. I still think that goes back to going against going to go get the guy or at least entertain the notion of going to get the guy who who's basically proliferated a strategy that has made your offensive philosophy obsolete. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you couldn't, you couldn't conference. even, you couldn't do a damn thing against Baylor. You couldn't really do a damn thing against Iowa State. You know what I mean? Like that, they, that those things, that that strategy has kind of made your offensive mindset obsolete. And that's why I say, that's why I understood going to the the air raid. Air raid made perfect sense to go to it because it's had so much success here in the Big Twelve. I mean, honestly, I think everywhere, had, yeah, like fifteen of the Big Twelve titles have been run by an air raid offense or something <laughs> like that. And I mean, it's just our our, our derivation of it. So my, my point for Tom Herman is, and, and also I think that's, that's him doing that too, the air raid. Why is he going to the air raid? It's whipped your butt since you yeah. came into this conference. Mm-hmm. It's whipped you. And you know what? Don't feel ashamed because it whipped, it whipped Gary Patterson. Everybody. Gary Patterson, he, he thought he was going to come in here, lead a big, big junk of swanging. You know what I mean? I'm a defensive uh-huh. guy, baby. It's what we do. Oh, yeah? Okay. <laughs> 2014, he sold his soul to the dark side. Yeah. Sonny Cumbie, Doug Mitchell. And what happened? Oh. Uh, 
Greatest Bob, season, arguably, in the history of TCU football in the modern Bob era. Bob Stoops realized he got too far away from it, so we brought Lincoln Riley back in. Come on now. So I understand exactly. But my point is, do that on defense. You're going to come in here and ask somebody. And you're going to come in here and do the disservice to a defensive coordinator who has never been in the Big 12 and asked them to show up in the Big 12. Me. Trust me, man. It ain't easy. No, no. it's not. It's not easy. So I, my thing is, you know, why not just go get the a guy that's been in the Big 12 and kind of started what is the modern era of defense in the Big 12? That To me, it's out of no idea. I don't disagree. I, crazy. I, don't, I don't disagree with you that that's uh, – <laughs> I'm not saying that's a bad idea, right? Because I think it's a good idea. But I just think at the end of the day, you just have to get somebody that is just going to just take – like, look at Oklahoma's defensive turnaround, right? Mm-hmm. We can all agree, like the metrics, the eye test, anything you want to look at says they're, they're a better, much better defense. Yeah. And it goes back to, and you can take you know, press conference quotes for what they are, but when you talk to Oklahoma players, and I talked to a couple of them at Big 12 Media Days, the biggest thing Alex Grinch did when they talked about it was he took the thinking out of it. Yeah, simplified it, if you're If you're doing, if you're at a place like Texas and you're doing, and I'll go back to this point and I'll hammer it home and maybe I'm wrong. I truly believe if you're doing it right in recruiting and player development on defense, you don't need this exotic blitz scheme that's going to have guys dropping out of helicopters and Star Wars and whatever other terms you want to put on it. If, totally you've, got I, the, I if you've got the players and you can turn them totally loose and let agree. them go play. At some point, and we saw it, we've seen it with Oklahoma at times this year. At times, yes, this conference is too good offensively where there are going to be weeks where – Man, it's like the old it's Big Lebowski thing, man. Yeah. Sometimes you eat the bar, sometimes the bar eats you. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Sometimes it's going to happen. But overall, if you follow that line of thinking, man, you're going to be much better for it defensively. You know what LSU fans are calling their LSU offense now? The LSU Air Raid. <laughs> they're, basically, they're basically calling it the LSU, uh, LSU Barstool Sports. Has basically got into it with a bunch of people calling it the LSU Air Raid. And everybody's going, like, <laughs> oh, man, Big 12's been running the Air Raid for years. Basically, you have to hip them to it. Uh, but th- a lot of their concepts are air raid ish. You know what I mean? And there's a big th- misconception about what no, the air raid and is. And there's nobody, there's nobody in the SEC that can stop it. You know what I mean? Like to stop the offense. And it's just this is they're just running modern concepts. They're running, yeah. They're, and they're running some air raid concepts. They're not an air raid offense. But my my point is is that it, it is now is foolhardy and misleading for anybody to 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 like point. Fingers at the air raid and say that it doesn't work. You know what I mean? It works at every level now, and it works. And, and I agree with you. It is a lot of uh, mi- misperceptions about the air raid. Oh, Nobody yeah. actually knows what the air raid is. They think they do, but most oh. people don't. Like if you, <laughs> and now if, people just call good passing offenses. Air they do. Yeah, like that's, that's just what that's it is. That's that's what I, that's I brought the LSU. Oh, like, Sports like, Center. That's what it is. If you want, if you want the the air raid in its truest form, the only person who's still doing it is Mike Leach. Well, and the truest. Yes. And, and it's, and it's pure. <laughs> like, 100% what, what's passing that, for the how The how mummy Mike Leach yeah. version of the air raid, the only person still doing that is Mike Leach. Mm. But everybody yeah. else, Dana Holgerson, Lincoln Riley, Cliff Kingsbury, Sonny Dykes, everybody else has put their own spin on it, and they've added something to it that's kind of evolved it into. It's still rooted in the air raid. That's why you could call Lincoln Riley an air raid guy. His offense is rooted in the air raid. But it's it's totally different. Yeah. From what Mike Leach is doing, yeah. which is different from what Dana Holgerson is doing, which is different from Cliff Kingsbury, Mike, which is different from Sonny Dykes. Mike Leach, uh, the things that Mike Leach added to the air raid, he's the one because they used to run a lot of two back air raid uh, at, at Kentucky. When Mike Leach went to went to Oklahoma, he, the most extreme. So he's the most extreme version of the air raid. Only runs it like thirty percent of the time. He added the four wides. Mm-hmm. All right, which Dual was slot. yeah, he added the four wides, which started freaking people out. And trust me, people get on Texas back then for getting whipped by Oklahoma. You realize we were on the cutting edge of mm. offensive, like, uh, uh, revolution. Yes. Right? So, so just so people, we got blew out. I understand that. But don't understand, by nobody Leach. in college football had ever faced that offense ever, right. ever. He spread it out. He ran four wide. He put a more in shotgun. They ran more shotgun, uh-huh. and they went more single back. And then after that, it changed everything. He went with the wider splits, too. Yeah. So putting those wide splits on the offensive linemen. Nobody in college football has seen anything like that in the modern era, dude. That, that Mike there, Leach very was doing. few people even that know freaky. that that Oklahoma team had Mike Leach at it. You have to be like well, ingrained well, they, in the Big Twelve. Not the one 12. that won the national title. That was Mangino's yeah, air raid. Yeah. Getting back to the variations of it. Mike Leach was there in '99, and then he left. But it was still he's the one that added the four wide. He's the one that free. He the one that made it extreme. He's an extremist by nature. Yes. And the air raid is an extreme. 
uh, philosophy by nature, but that's why you get the moderation of a Mangina who's an offensive line coach who decides, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to run it more, or Lincoln Riley who brings in moderation and runs it 56% of the time. Everybody puts their own spin on it, but the beauty of it is at its base core, it, it, and this is Graham Harrell who described it, it says it is not an offensive system. It is not like running, you know, it's not like uh, running a triple option or running a yeah. pro-style offense. It is a philosophy. It is like a religion. So mm-hmm. for ignorant people to say, Sam Ellinger, he wasn't really working the air raid, and you haven't been paying attention. Right. All the air raid <laughs> quarterbacks, they're all different. They all have a different little skill set, but the air raid, because of its philosophy, it's just quarterback-friendly. Probably the most quarterback-friendly system other than, other, other than the West Coast offense in the history of football. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it's, it, the beauty of the system is that a guy like Cliff Kingsbury with minimal arm strength, but yep. sees it very well, can succeed. And a guy like Patrick like Mahomes, him. who is the NFL MVP, can succeed in it. And a guy like Jalen Hurts, who I think we all can see has limitations exactly. in his game, he can succeed in it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So it's yeah. Anyway, I know we got down a rabbit hole there, but I no. hope he, I hope we get Graham Harrell. I think we're gonna get Graham Harrell. If we don't, the fit will hit the shan. Yes. Then we can talk about it then. Well, <laughs> we've got one more regular show, and then we've got our big bowl postseason blowout that yeah. we'll go through uh, closer to Christmas time. And we'll again, we'll keep you guys updated on uh, that as we get closer to recording time. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome, Rod. B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 101.9, AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can catch Rod B on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Thanks to Matt. You can get our archives, classic shows, classic interviews on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to find us anywhere you get your podcast. Search Horns 24-7 Podcast. You get us, you get State of Recruiting, and uh, you get the flagship podcast, all that. Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast, go search Horns 24-7 Podcasts. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in Orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.